everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. That's right. This is your podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and joined once again by my esteemed co-host, Rob Dunham. It's uh, getting a little crazy over here, you know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's quite the that's quite <laughs> the definitely jersey. my wildest jersey, without a doubt. Is that Miami FC? Uh, Forward Madison from Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're the Flamingos, as you can see. Yeah. Right there. See, this is what you're missing if you're not watching us on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all grateful for our podcast listeners. Definitely. So anyway, we've got a we've got a packed show actually for you tonight. Warner Brothers has an earth-shattering announcement that they dropped on on the media world today. Uh, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, I'm going to say that correctly. Gal Gadot <laughs> is starring in a new action series, and we're going to take a look at the best films on Amazon Prime and Netflix, as well as our favorite Christmas movies. So you don't want to miss that. All right, let's. Here we go. Yes. (laughs) All right. So the 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 big the big story, and this is this is game changing story here. Warner Brothers announced. I believe this came out today, right? Yep. The today at one thirty Eastern. Yeah, we're recording this on Thursday night. So Thursday, Warner Brothers announced that their entire twenty twenty one movie slate is going to be released simultaneously in both theaters and on HBO Max at the same time. This is, this is incredible. This is an unbelievable announcement. Um, basically, the article, which we will link to, talks about uh, the basic rationale is there's a lot of uncertainty with theaters, and they do not expect, uh, Warner Brothers is not expecting um, full capacity at theaters for most, if not all, of 2021. Um, and so, faced with the choices of letting all their high-priced movies sit on the shelf, uh, they have decided to to chart the path that um, they first decided on, which we announced a couple of weeks ago with uh, Wonder Woman 1984. So, Rob, this is a big deal. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's kind of funny because. In a lot of ways, this is kind of like making my prediction about what was going to happen with movies come through. And yeah. I still can't, like, I still can't believe that it's happening. It's yeah. almost impossible to fathom. Um, I mean, there, there is, uh, you know, some, some fine print with this. The movies when they release on HBO Max will only be on HBO Max for a month. And then they'll be going back to just theater exclusivity after that. Um, until the end of the theatrical run for each movie. They announced that with the announcement. Um, but to open it up for a whole month for people to be able to see it on a streaming service, you would think would probably pretty negatively impact a lot of movies' uh, money-making ability in the theater because a lot of people who want to see a movie are probably going to want to see it in the first month. Um, now the question is, will some of those people want to go see it in the theater too for that experience? After they see a movie they really like, will they want to go see it again uh, in a different way? I know for me, having uh, the 
theater home theater system I have set up in my house, like it's looking like the projector was a very good investment back in January at this point, <laughs> because I've kind of got that happy medium. Like I'm, I'm not in the movie theater, obviously it's not the same, but it is a nice place to be. It's a kind of, like I said, it's a happy medium. Um, I, Mike Ryan, who's, who's a, uh, who's a movie journalist, actually, he uh, tweeted out about half an hour before this announcement. Uh, he sent out a tweet that said in 23 minutes, the movie industry is going to change forever. Um, I guess is <laughs> what he wrote. <laughs> and uh, people were guessing in the comments, what could this be? People were speculating that uh, it was Kong versus Godzilla being streamed before it went to the theater. Was Bond going to be streamed before it went to the theater? And uh, he had a follow up tweet that said as, as crazy as people's guesses were, none of them were as crazy as the reality. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, this is a massive company making a massive paradigm shift yeah uh when it comes to how they get movies to consumers now the big question i think is how did disney and comcast to comcast being over universal how do those two companies react to this do they follow the same model yeah because if they do then i think disney will be a big will be a big uh touchstone on this if they follow the same model if they do the same thing theaters are even just with Warner, I think they're in a tough position now. But if the other companies follow suit, um, we might see the death of some of these uh, big chains, honestly. I don't think theaters are going to go away. I think that there will be something that comes in and fills the void. But I think uh, like Regal and AMC are in a pretty perilous situation with this news, especially if it continues. <sighs> See, I have to slightly disagree with you on that one. I've thought about this a lot. Um, I think, I don't think it means the death of theaters. I think one of the things that's absolutely killing theaters right now is that they have no content. And there are some movies in theaters, but they're, they're all smaller releases, um, not huge films, no, nothing like that one thing that's absolutely killing them is they can't rely on big movies and they can't rely on content. So one of the things that this will guarantee them is it will guarantee them that they will have Warner Brothers slate on the docket and the likelihood of them being pushed back or, or delayed or whatever is going to be significantly lower because of their ability to put it on HBO max. So one thing that they'll be able to sell is, Hey, we have theaters open with movies people want to see. Now, they're not going to make anywhere close to the amount of money because of the HBO Max thing. They're not going to come close to making money. But if you're, if you're you know, a family and you're like, hey, we'd like to get out of the house, you, know, you can go see it. So I think one thing that theaters are going to have to make their adjustment on is they're going to have to make their adjustment much heavier towards the entertainment side and wanting to give people like an experience as opposed to just relying on the movie to bring people in. Yeah. It's gonna, gonna they're going to have to adjust and, and try and do some new things for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think just the discussion of what will the theater industry look like in five years from now might be a, a good topic yeah. for, for a future podcast because I, I just see a lot of change on the horizon. There, there were some really interesting theories in different Reddit threads I was looking at in this announcement. Um, some people 
floating things like we we've talked briefly about stuff like Amazon or Microsoft or a company like that coming in and doing something. If one of these chains goes under Um, or someone else floated the idea of what if Disney, you know, opens up their own theater and then they like heavily brand it. So like when a Marvel movie comes out, you've got the full Marvel experience with everything attached to that, that you could think of. Because yeah. if you've ever if you've ever been to um, the, I know a whole lot of people probably haven't. I don't know if anyone who listened to the podcast even has, but I have. If you've ever been to the AMC uh, at Disney Springs, like right by Disney, it's it's a different feel. Like I went there for the opening weekend of The Incredibles too, and it just felt like a different kind of experience. Like you had Mr. Incredible dressed up there and Frozone dressed up there, like. Uh, it's it's different than just going to your standard run-of-the-mill theater in York or Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so you, you do have to wonder what's going to happen with these theaters if other investors are going to come in, if they can make it through this. We know they're already struggling before uh, this pandemic, and especially as soon as the pandemic hit, things started to look bleak. I, I think that regardless of what happens, there will always be uh, a market for theaters in some form. Um, even if it's, you know, more focused on higher end, like the Alamo draft house, places like that, that ha- let you have food while you watch the movie, like dinner and a movie, maybe those kind of places exist and they're a little more expensive or maybe, the- maybe we have less theaters. Someone also speculated, uh, maybe this is the start of a shift towards theaters being more of an urban thing. When you think about like professional sports franchises, things like that, like um, big theaters moving towards that area and not becoming uh, as broad nationally. So we'll see. There's a whole lot of what ifs and maybes. And yeah. a lot of it will also depend on how this actually goes yeah. for Warner with HBO Max. I, I think they'll make a lot of money. I think a lot of people will, will be subscribing to HBO Max. But the question is, how many people? Yeah. And what's the amount of money that they're going to generate from this? I, I'm speaking to your point about um, them having like actual target dates. That's another thing they released with uh, this announcement was they put out actual hard firm release dates for all of these 17 movies within the year of 2021. Yeah. So we know when the movies are coming out now. Yeah. And I, I think they are, they had to put a stake in the ground and say, we're not pushing these anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think they were for in some ways they were forced to make this decision because they can't keep holding movies back. Yeah. At some point they've got to start releasing things. Otherwise they're going to have an insurmountable stockpile of movies. And on top of that, all that money is already out the door. They yeah. already spent the money to film these things. They've already paid the actors. They've, the money's out the door, unless you're starting to get some return on that investment. I mean, nobody can sustain that for any length of time. So I, and this is, the, I think the one other thing that's going to that's gonna hold theaters together is I think the maximum amount of revenue is with big theatrical releases with full theaters all over. I don't think that you're going to come close to making the same amount of money with these deals with the streaming services. Yeah. I just think you're, the, the total box office capacity um, just will not be the same thing without full return to theater. Now they did specify that this, at this point, this is a one year deal. Like, yep. This is not something that they're planning on continuing. Uh, of course that's subject to change, but. I mean, what, one other thing that I think is gonna drive some 
uh, financial profit for Warner with this is that they did also announce that there won't be free trials for HBO Max anymore, hmm. which makes a lot of sense. I think if you're saying the movies are going to be released for a month on the service, you don't yeah. give away a month free for people to yeah. hop in and watch their favorite movie. So that, that is interesting because that's also a shift. Yeah. You know, almost every streaming service has that built in where you can watch it for five days or seven days mm-hmm. without having to pay for it. So removing that ability for people is definitely a shift as well. And we'll see, you know, we'll see what other studios do with this. Uh, Warner has the luxury of having HBO Max, you know, under their umbrella already. So this kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Disney obviously has Disney Plus. Does Disney move this way? Um, Comcast has Peacock. I don't know if that's robust enough of a service to even like do this kind of thing with Universal, but I guess we're going to find out uh, how the other studios react. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it just shows that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers seems to be ahead of the game in terms of, of knowing what they're doing and making decisions. Um, and that can only be good for Warner Brothers. I think anything about this where you can say, hey, here's our plan, here's what we're doing, I think that just creates a level of stability that can only be good for the company. But on top of this, like, um, I think it's, I think, let's go through a couple of, some of the movies that are scheduled to come out on this, because this is is a pretty good list. So um, some of the major ones are going to be, of course, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, the Suicide Squad, and and the two big ones for me, uh, Dune and Matrix 4. Um, those are incredible. You also have The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Mortal Kombat, um, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and uh, the Lin-Mel, Lin-Manuel Miranda musical In the Heights, as well as Space Jam, A New Legacy. And that's just, I mean, that's some of the movies. This is, a, this is a pretty hefty lineup. Yeah, it's it's not just one movie. Like I said, people were speculating, could it be Kong versus Godzilla that's going to be yeah. released before it hits the theater? Now it's all of them, which yeah. is just, it's why it's absolutely wild to think about. Um, I think Warner also, it should, you know, we, we should say that Warner saw firsthand with uh, Tenet you know, that this model of releasing in the theater and just doing it, you know, is, is rough right now. And as much as we love Christopher Nolan, it seems like (laughs) the the comment I read in read on Reddit was like, Christopher Nolan fought so hard to get his movie in the theater that he ended up killing the movie theater industry. (laughs) Well, and I, I, you know, I think that I would say that's an overreaction. I mean, that, that film still ended up making a profit. Yeah. So, I mean, it still made over $100 million in profit. So, I mean, now it didn't make $700 million in profit. And, yeah. You know, that's a little bit of a deal. But it's, I mean, it's, you know, I think it did fine considering it was the first one through the, through the industry. And it's, it's hard to say what would have happened had more movies been released. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think ultimately it's, it's a good thing for everyone involved. Theaters can say, hey, we know we're going to have content. And, and the people who want the content but are not ready to go back to theaters can get it and the studios can make some money. So One, one thing I think we're seeing is that uh, as we go through the generations here, as much as we love going to movies, uh, it was 
more of an event back in the 40s and 50s than it was in the 60s and 70s than it was in the 80s and 90s than it is now. And seeing that shift for the casual consumer of going to the movies being a major event to it being just something you do or in a lot of people's cases because of just the cost of regular movie tickets now, a lot of families just don't go to the theater because it's not cost effective or you know smart with their budget to go do it. Um, so with the advent of digital services and streaming, something was going to happen at some point. I mean, Steven Spielberg uh, kind of predicted this back in 2013, just talking about um, how the movie industry might move towards the streaming model. And to see it play out, obviously they couldn't have predicted the reason why, <laughs> yeah. but this infrastructure has been here for a while. Um, so I'm not surprised that things are starting to transition. I guess we'll just see how big the transition is. Yeah, and we can come back to that because we've gone, we, we've spent more of this time talking about yeah. the future of the movie industry yeah. than we have about the announcement. Uh, so we'll definitely have to come back and hit that. But um, again, just a, a monumental announcement. And I, I think we'll start to see what the other studios are doing here in the next couple of months. All right, so let's, uh, let's move on to our second story. And that's Gal Gadot is going to be starring in an international spy James Bond Mission Impossible type movie coming out from the, uh, from the director of The Old Guard. And this movie is called The Heart of Stone. Now, this is, this is interesting because it's being adapted as setting her up for almost like a franchise type action spy movie series. Now, I think this is interesting because there have been, um, I think, annoying clamorings for like a female James Bond, which, I mean, that's already an established character. We can get into that some other time. But this could be something that's looking to fill that void of that kind of female spy action hero. So what do you make of this announcement? What do you make of, uh, of Gal Gadot as, uh, as a lead spy action film? I think uh, Gal has proven that she is more than capable of carrying a franchise. If you look at Wonder Woman, um, that's, you know, the may, I would argue the biggest superhero, female superhero character, I would say. I mean, I, you, could, you could argue that um, Captain Marvel is up there, but I, I think that Wonder Woman is probably more of an icon. And she's definitely filled those shoes when it comes to that. Uh, she's also done well in other movies where she's had to act more understated, so I think she can pull off being more of a spy-type character, uh, simmering beneath the surface kind of things. Um, I, I think she's a good choice for it. The question is... Will it, will it hit? Will people latch onto it? Will they want to see more? I mean, we've seen many times in the past, both men and women, when it comes to trying to start off a new franchise or series, uh, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And, and it's not always because it's not a great movie. Uh, you look at like The Man from Uncle was a good, really good movie, but nothing has happened past it when it could, it could happen. <laughs> but it just hasn't happened. Um, and you look at, uh, it's, it's a different genre, but um, Tom Holland is going to be starring in the first movie of a series based on the Uncharted video games that I'm sure they're hoping 
turns into several movies. So all all the time we see these uh, set pieces put up for actors and actresses to show their skill and get people to latch onto it. And we'll see how successful she is. I, I think she's capable. I think the question is, does the audience connect with it? And that's always the question when it comes to trying to start a franchise. Yeah, for sure. And I think the key, the key is going to have to be, they're going to have to create a movie that's compelling and not just rely on the idea of, Hey, female spy superhero, come watch me. If they actually put actual effort into writing a fantastic movie, putting in great setting up and giving this the franchise space space to go i think i think it's got all the all the markings of something that could really work um but you're gonna have to the audience is gonna have to be able to project that this is something we want to see over and over again and i think gal is is a perfect option i think she's fantastic at uh, the movie she does. And I think she, she can be a box office draw for sure, but it's going to have to be done well. All right. And uh, let's hit on one final story. And this is, this is kind of like movie adjacent. Um, but I am a sci-fi nerd and a movie nerd and an astronomy nerd. So this one really speaks to me. Um, just this past week, um, the Arecibo array in Puerto Rico collapsed. Um, this is the giant radio telescope um, that has been famous. It's, you know, about uh, 70 years old. And it is, is, it has been in several iconic movies, most notably um, GoldenEye. The final series, the final battle sequence in Golden Eye takes place on the Arecibo Array. Uh, it was also featured in Contact and Species, and um, I think an X Files TV episode or something like that too. Um, but this, I've always been a little bit fascinated with the Arecibo Array. It's just very cool. It was at one point the largest radio telescope in the world up until just the past couple of years, and so it was kind of fascinating to see that it collapsed. Yeah, it's kind of devastating news. Um, they they think that the likelihood of being able to repair it is quite low. And I can't speak, obviously, to all the research and insight that using the telescopic array has given. But I know it's been useful. And obviously, as we said, it's an icon for movies. If you have not seen GoldenEye, which I'm going to talk about later, um, you can, you can watch uh, Sean Bean and Pierce Brosnan battle it out on the array. And it, I don't, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but if you know anything about Sean Bean's uh, career as an actor and what usually happens to him in movies, then you can probably guess what happens to him in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so rest in peace, Arecibo Array. You were, uh, you were fantastic and interesting and a great, great landmark for movies. Okay, so let's move on to our discussion items. <clears throat> now, both you and I, over the last couple of days, put out some pieces on filmforfans.com. It's going to be part of our ongoing series, uh, looking at what movies are on different streaming services. 
So this month we tackled uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime. Rob, you did uh, Amazon Prime and I did Netflix. And so we posted a list on filmforfans.com of 10 movies to watch on each of those services. So make sure you go check them out, the full list at filmforfans.com. But we wanted to give you kind of a, a, a little bit of highlight. So Rob, why don't you go first talking about Amazon Prime. Give us a couple of movies off your list that we should be checking out. On the so uh, the I'll I'll just briefly hit on three that uh, were on my list that I think are the most impactful. Uh, the first is Thank You for Smoking, uh, which is a movie about uh, the world of lobbyists in Washington D.C., starring Aaron Eckhart, uh, who plays a slimy, conniving, you know, two-faced lobbyist. That's what they are, uh, named Nick Naylor. And basically, this dude could sell ice cream to someone who's in like negative 30 degree weather he's so slick and smooth with his words and i think my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he's arguing with his son about what his son's favorite ice cream flavor actually <laughs> is trying to convince him that his favorite ice cream flavor is not in fact his favorite ice cream flavor <laughs> and it it's uh really it's it's a very telling look into that world and a warning, I think, for us when it comes to accepting everything we hear when it comes uh, to messaging from companies or the government, because yeah, it's it's a shady world, especially in advertising. And I just think he nails it in this movie, and I always found it very intriguing that many many of my friends think the title to this movie is "Thank You for Not Smoking," and the <laughs> title is "Thank You for Smoking." Yes, and I. I think that there is something meaningful to that because yeah. I think people are so intent on like, they've just been blitzed by the, by the advertising good as it has been, you know, and needed telling people to not smoke that they can't even wrap their heads around the fact that this movie is called thank you for smoking. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've run into that yourself, but I've heard that so many times mm -hmm. people just call it. Thank you for not smoking. Yeah because it just seems to make sense. Um, the, the second one I'll talk about quickly is Goldeneye. Hmm. Uh, obviously, we just talked about it with the Arecibo Ray. Um, Goldeneye is one of my favorite Bond movies because it's just all over the world. Like Russia, Puerto Rico, many other locations. James Bond is everywhere in this movie. And Pierce Brosnan is one of my favorites when it comes to the character. Uh, Obviously, the Brosnan movies might be, in my opinion, the most over-the-top, unnecessary extravagances when it comes to the Bond world, but I think this one is a great movie. And then the last one I want to talk about is The Natural. And if you're a baseball fan and haven't seen The Natural, go into the corner and put on your shame hat. Um, <laughs> but if you are not a baseball fan and haven't seen The Natural, go see The Natural anyway, because it is just a fantastic story about what happens when dreams don't come true in your life. And I think all of us can relate to that on some level. And the song at the climax of the movie, I think most people have probably heard, even if they haven't seen the movie, and even if they aren't fans of baseball. <laughs> and you'll be surprised when you hear it if, if you, you know, don't have that context, because it's pretty broadly around. Well, I think most people have heard that song at some point. Um, so those are the three that I would recommend checking out and there's obviously as we said seven more on that list for amazon that you can check out on the film for fans website and one thing one uh, one fun factoid about um 
one of Rob's movies, Thank You for Smoking, is that Aaron Eckhart's character does not smoke one cigarette in the entire <laughs> movie. Just keep that in mind. When you watch yeah. that movie, check it out. There's smoking all over the place, but the main character never smokes one cigarette the whole movie. All right. So my list from Netflix, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with some out of the box ones. And the first one I want to highlight is I want to highlight a bridge too far. This was a 1977 world war II movie. And there's, there's a cool thing about like the, the sixties and seventies world war II movies, because all of that stuff was still around all the Jeeps and the trucks and all the, so they had all the original equipment that was there. Um, but this movie is fantastic, both from a uh, movie talent standpoint and from an actual story standpoint. This details the actual battle um, called Operation Market Garden, where they dropped, they, it was an insane plan. They dropped paratroopers onto, I think it was like six or seven different bridges behind enemy, enemy lines in Holland. And these paratroopers were supposed to capture the bridge and then hold the bridges while this giant force coming out of France would, would come and liberate each one of those bridges as they fought their way through it. And so it's just the story of, of all this massive movement, this massive operation that was just supposed to give the Allied forces um, a trip straight into the heart of Germany. Um, but the, the, the actors in this are unbelievable. I mean, every single big actor from that point is in there. Um, you've got you've got Gene Hackman and you've got um, Sean Connery and um, man, now I'm blanking out on a ton, a ton of them. There's like there's like ten there's like ten recognizable actors that you would know in there. James Conn is in there. Um, there's everybody. Everybody is in that movie, and it's really really good, and it's well worth the time. And this was back before all the war movies were super bloody, so it's actually it's actually not something that's super violent. So that's that one. Um, the second one I wanna highlight is Steve Jobs. Um, I actually really, really like this movie. This is, this is to me one of the best written scripts that I've ever seen, where the script writing actually really makes the movie. So this is, this is a movie about the life uh, of Steve Jobs. It was basically about his character. And Aaron Sorkin was the screenwriter and he basically sets the entire movie in three scenes. And he uses these three scenes to basically tell you who Steve Jobs was and to talk a little bit about the evolution of him as a person. And each of the three scenes are set behind the scenes of one of his famous product launches. The first one is right before the Macintosh release. The second one is right before um, his next the debut of his next computer. And then the third one is right before he announces the, uh, the iMac. And, and it's just the, the scenes are fictional, but it really, really does a great job of illustrating who Jobs is. And, and the script is tight and it's well done and the acting is great. Michael Fassbender does a pretty good job playing Steve Jobs. Um, so it's really, really intriguing. And uh, the last one I want to mention is, let's go with um, The Death of Stalin. Um, another World War II era film. This one came out in 2017. It's kind of a satirical comedy where they take a look inside of just the abject ridiculousness of Stalinism 
and and just kind of harass it through this like sarcastic, underhanded, understated humor as everyone uh, around Stalin vies for power after after the uh, the Soviet leader dies. And so it's a really fascinating um, fascinating look at at that era, and it's it's really well done. So make sure you check out our lists for Amazon Prime and Netflix. Uh, so we're gonna be doing these at different services each month. All right, Rob, are you ready to go to our second discussion item? Let's do it. All right, so we are now fully into Christmas season. And so I feel like at this point, we have to get into what our favorite Christmas movies are. So Rob, give me one. Give me one of your favorite Christmas movies. Maybe we'll go back and forth on this in a little bit. Phew. That's like an impossible question because I have like <laughs> 20 and well, they're we'll, all for different reasons. We'll, so we'll, we'll do more than we'll do more than one or we'll do more than one here. But I'll start let's start with, we'll start with I'll one. Start, I'll start with the one that's probably my first favorite Christmas movie because my family watches it every year while we put up the tree. Uh, and that's it's a wonderful life. Hmm. And I'm a hopeless romantic and I think it's a wonderful life might be one of the best romantic movies around Christmas time really centered on romance is the idea of a redeeming a man's life. Hmm. And uh, James Stewart obviously is the main character of this film. It's um, quite old at this point. I'm guessing that some people in our audience might not have seen it. Uh, and if you haven't, it's well worth the time. It's a long movie, uh, but I watch it every, every Christmas season and highly recommend it. Uh, it's positive and meaningful and touching and just, you know, a great story. Awesome. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with one of mine, which I've mentioned a couple times is Die Hard. So we've talked about, I'm firmly in the camp of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. And I think one of the fascinating things, this is one of the great examples of it. Um, there was, there was, I think, a famous quote, I think by a playwright, where he said, if there's a rifle in the background in the first scene, you better be using it by act three. Just the <laughs> idea, don't, don't put anything in there that doesn't belong. And I think there's a great example of this in Die Hard, where at the very beginning of the movie, um, he's flying out to LA from New York, and he's talking to the, his seatmate, on the plane and a seatmate, they're talking about jet lag and a seatmate tells him, Hey, as soon as you get there, you know, take off your shoes and, you know, squeeze your toes on the carpet and it'll, it'll help you with jet lag. And so he does this when he gets to LA and then all of a sudden all the, the terrorist explosions break out and everything. And he spends the entire movie running around in his bare feet. So it's a perfect example of how a movie uses something a scene that's kind of a throwaway scene at the beginning of the movie and uses that as a character element throughout the entire movie. So die hard Christmas movie. <laughs> if you have not seen uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol, then you have missed the best version of Charles Dickens story. Oh. And I fight you to the death on that. Um, okay. It's just hilarious. I love the Muppets characters and uh, the way Rizzo the Rat and Gonzo interact in this movie is the height of comedy. Uh, you should definitely watch it if you have children. Um, Michael Caine uh, plays uh, Ebenezer Scrooge in this version. And there's actually 
you need you need to seek out the uh, the director's cut or a version of this movie that has the extra song included because there's a song by Michael Caine that is not in the theatrical release. Ooh, and nice. much to my wife's chagrin because it's her favorite part of the movie. Okay. So if we ever buy a version of the Muppet Christmas Carol, it must have the Michael Caine song in it. <laughs> well, it's not good enough. So Muppet Christmas Carol, watch it and laugh. All right, my next one is going to be Home Alone. Home Alone is one of my favorite. It is a classic. Um, it just doesn't get any better than Macaulay Culkin just beating the crap out of the two burglars. It's just fantastic. Plus, Merry you, plus you get you get the animal. Yeah, <laughs> like the the tar and feather scene. Like I just, I mean, there's just something so fun about just watching just the physical comedy. Just the physical comedy is just fantastic. Um, falling down steps, um, you know, sticking your foot on a nail, getting an iron dropped on your face, lighting a blowtorch on fire. Um, there's just something so great about it. And as a little kid, you just love seeing everyone just get bashed. So I still, I'm still a fan and it's still a great movie. Uh, one more I would say quickly is, uh, I mentioned it earlier as a joke, Jingle All the Way. Mm. It's not a good movie, but I love it anyway. <laughs> Starring Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. in the desperate pursuit for Turbo Man, the hottest toy that's around and it's a great look at our mindset as consumers and just how we're willing to do anything to anyone to get the special toy. The fact that it changes every Christmas, you know, there's always going to be something that people fight over and seeing these two guys go after it and, you know, have a giant fight where they end up literally taking over the personas of the characters from the show. It's just fantastic. I just, I love seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger, riff off some of his famous action movie lines <laughs> in this movie and just the absolute madness. Uh, it's a movie from when I was a kid and I still love it to this day. So what, what the actual like hot toys do you remember? I remember, I think there's two I can remember. One was like the Furby. Oh yeah. And one was the Tickle Me Elmo. And uh, a little bit, uh, when we were a lot younger, Cabbage Patch dolls were a major mm. thing. Like okay. when, we were, when we were tiny little humans. Yeah. Um, I know that was the big thing. And uh, Tamagotchis were a big thing one year or two. Oh, yeah, virtual I about that. And I would say now, like, video games are always yeah. a massive thing, especially uh, the companies have their major launches always around the holidays because they know that people will go crazy for them. Right now, I've got the PS5 and uh, mm. the Xbox Series X, I think it's called. There's so many yeah. Xboxes, I don't even know what it's called anymore. <laughs> um, they have to make it confusing for me. <laughs> well, this is the difference with Microsoft. They're not, not quite doing things the right way. You're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last one, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, a, a more of a cheesy edition. I'm going to go with love. Actually. I, I enjoy very it. cheesy. Yeah. Very um, cheesy. You know, <laughs> you, you've got the scene with, with the poster board, you know, when he's coming out to Kira Knightley, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. I actually, my favorite one is the, uh, uh, I was at Colin Firth and, uh, and the other girl where they don't even speak the same language until the end. Um, and you know, like his papers blow away and they're jumping into the lake trying to get his book or whatever. So, yeah. 
Yeah, there are there are so many more that we could talk about. Like I said, I I love Christmas movies, so we're we starting December first. We're watching one Christmas movie every night until Christmas. Oh wow! So, yeah, we watched we watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original cartoon hmm. uh, tonight. After watching The Grinch last night and uh, the version with Benedict Cumberbatch two nights ago, so. <laughs> So you just plowed right through the, all the yeah, you got all three. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, let's let's just dive into our watch list here. Rob, what'd you watch last week? Uh, I had the unfortunate uh, reality that I watched Doom and Doom Annihilation. <laughs> yeah, so you did it. I had some that I was gonna watch, action movies. I was going to watch some loud action movies. I will say that my sound system inside my house usually does not go above like 50. And it was at like 68. It was amazing. It was loud. I could feel vibrations in the house. I could hear things in the surround sound like it was around the corner and very frightening in some of the scenes um, because I watched it in a pitch dark too, because obviously uh, <laughs> I will say that Doom and Doom Annihilation are not good movies. Uh, I did enjoy watching them. There's just so much that's not good about them. Uh, the original Doom uh stars Carl Urban and the rock Dwayne Johnson. Uh Dwayne Johnson being the main character, Carl Carl Urban is also a pretty main character, but not the main character. Uh and it follows them as they go through a facility trying to get rid of this demonic presence. And what's really interesting is there's one scene in the movie that I have to highlight as the worst part of the movie. And just kind of epitomizes how I feel about this movie throughout the movie. You're wondering uh, when exactly is, you know, this going to turn into a doom movie because it feels kind of more like a zombie movie. <laughs> 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 you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like this could have been anything zombies. And yet they made it a doom movie. You <laughs> see a couple of glimpses here and there of like demonic characters, but there's really not a whole lot. And then there's this one scene three quarters of the way through the movie where Carl Urban picks up a gun and all of a sudden it's in first person shooter mode <laughs> and he's just walking around shooting like characters and demons that you haven't seen at all yet in the entire movie you're like i have no context of how bad this person is or you know what their abilities might be but eh, he just blasted them that's pretty cool but it's just shot so poorly because it's just like a gun like floating on the right side of the screen as he walks down the hallway <laughs> it looks like like the original Doom video game, like where you see the gun in the screen and then he just shoots people. But it, the execution is just terrible. So is this um, is it battleship level? Like I don't think it, in or no? I don't think it reaches quite that level. Like it's not so bad that it's good. It's just bad. <laughs> okay. um, Doom Annihilation came out in 2019, and I would say that uh, the characters are much much more uh updated when it comes to the like tonic presence like there's actually some cgi and some effects put in place that make them somewhat believable or scary uh but the movie feels like a tv show and that's not a compliment hmm. sometimes when you're watching a movie i'm sure ryan has experienced this you watch a movie and just the way it's shot you're like why do i feel like i'm watching a tv show right now not a movie yeah. because some directors just don't have that ability to make it cinematic and that's how i felt about this like it could have been 
I, I think if it would have been a TV show or like a miniseries, I would have been like way more into it. You know what I mean? Um, the fact that it was a movie that went direct to video that made 75 grand kind of tells you what the quality of the movie was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say unless you really, really like watching bad action movies, don't watch either of those movies. I mean, but if you, if you want to, you know, hey, waste four hours of your life like I did, <laughs> I had nothing else to do. So why not? You know, have at it. It was definitely an interesting experience. And I've also been watching, uh, as I said, Christmas movies. Um, and I'm also being introduced to a lot of Disney Channel original movies by my wife. Okay. Um, Disney Plus. Thank you for <laughs> all the 90s Disney Channel original movies that I never saw because I didn't have cable as a kid. Because now I'm able to see them all and they're so great. Disney giveth and taketh away. My wife's definitely not behind me with a shotgun. <laughs> they're just awesome movies and I love them all. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the one of the main ones I watched this week was um, the Current Wars, and this was a movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael Shannon, actually detailing the electricity battle between um, George Westinghouse and um, Thomas Edison. And Edison, of course, was known as being just this vindictive cutthroat businessman um and it's a battle between like dc current and ac current and the battle to electrify america and it's a fascinating look at that particular time period it's really well done it's well acted um you really get to see the individual rivalry between these two and how much that drove them as competitors uh, also there is uh kind of like almost almost as a side story of nikola tesla's in there too mm -hmm. And, and just kind of the tragic character that Nikola Tesla was. Um, but it has, it has definitely has a feel similar to The Prestige. Not as, not as intricate or as mysterious a script, but it has, it's the same kind of time frame dealing with some of the same type of things, um, highlighting a rivalry between two individuals. Um, so, and it, if you like that type of genre, um, this movie is well worth your time. It didn't get a ton of buzz, but it's it's a quality movie. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating as well because in The Prestige, the battle between Tesla and Edison is also a side story in the movie itself. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's really, that's that electricity battle was really an interesting an interesting historical story. So, so I watched that. Um, also, I picked up a ton of movies over Black Friday. Um, I scoured all the great deals and got like 10 movies. Um, and so one of them is I got the, uh, I got the, the Divergent trilogy because it was really cheap. Um, and I watched the first two, I watched Divergent and Insurgent. Um, so going back over those was interesting. You can definitely see like the quality of the films kind of goes downward. Um, and I was actually reading a little bit about it today and each one, and it went in that progression. The first one did really well. The second one did not quite as well. The third one did even worse. And what I didn't realize was that they were actually intending on making a fourth one, splitting up the final book into two movies, kind of mm. like they did with Twilight and with Harry Potter and with The Hunger Games. Um, but the third one did so badly. And then normally when they do that, where they split the last one into two, they film them at the same time. 
Well, the studio chose not to do that. <laughs> they chose to film them separately. And then when the first one kind of hit the skids and everyone's like, eh, I don't know about that one. And so they just kind of completely dropped the fourth movie. So I didn't realize that when I go back and watch the, uh, the third one, I'm going to have to watch to see um, whether they ended that story properly or whether there was enough room there for another movie. So Yeah, I thought it was... That was a little strange that they named the third movie Detergent too. <laughs> <laughs> That's not actually the name of the movie. They should have. That would have been funny. <laughs> is the third one named? What is the third one named? Allegiant. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of doesn't really make any sense, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And I watched my first Christmas movie. I watched Elf with my wife when we put up our Christmas tree. I know him. He's awesome. <laughs> I'm nanny muggins. <laughs> that's a classic too. Yeah, just, that's a classic. There's just a lot of good Christmas movies. There are. It's, it's a good time of the year. All right, Rob, what you watching this week? So I, you mentioned it just now, and uh, I don't know why it's popping in my head, but for some reason, I feel like the Harry Potter movies are like a holiday thing, like mm. just, and they're not really based around the holidays at all. But it's just kind of themed in every one of them. Yeah. It kind of seems like the coming together like family type series, you know, that you would watch around this time of year. And uh, I've only seen the movies one time. I'd never seen a Harry Potter movie until last year. And then I watched all seven in a row in about eight days, I think. Okay. I really liked them. Uh, contrary to some people I know who believe they are the work of Satan and will <laughs> turn your children into uh, demon children. Uh, I actually enjoy the movies, so you know I'm I'm glad that I took the step to get over my fears and watch the movies, and I promise I haven't cast any spells since. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. that's seven. So I don't know if I'll make them make it through all of them this week, but I can get started at least. Yeah. So I'm going to watch a couple of the other movies that I, I purchased this week. I'm going to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, give that a good run. Um, I'm going to watch the third. Divergent movie Allegiant, and this is this is the week for Die Hard. It's coming. <laughs> Yippee ki yay! <laughs> or as Jake Peralta on Brooklyn Nine Nine likes to say, "Yippee kayak, other buckets." <laughs> That's the family friendly version. Come to the coast, have a few laughs. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. All right, Rob, you got anything else? I do not. Well, then that is a wrap. Uh, thank you for listening to the Film for Fans podcast. Make sure you rate us, subscribe us, leave us lots of comments. Um, you can get us on any of the major podcast platforms. Also on YouTube, if you'd like to see our smiling faces. And uh, leave us comments and uh, share it with your friends. And check out filmforfans.com where you can check out our our recommendations list or movie reviews and just all sorts of great content we've got over there. And until next time, enjoy the movies. <laughs>